Keep God's word on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. Be careful to do what it says. Then you will truly be successful. Keep God's word on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. Be careful to do what it says. Then you will truly be successful. Hey everyone, welcome to our 90 day challenge. It's day 62 and the topic is come see a man. John, the fourth chapter and the ninth verse. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with the woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking to her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. And that ends our reading for today. Again, the topic is come see a man. When Jesus walked on earth, a great many well-intentioned religious folks carried around an expired prescription of worship. They were worshipers, but they weren't true 
worshipers. The problem with their prescription was not that Dr. Moses wrote the law wrong. It was just that Dr. Messiah had an updated one and they didn't know it. In John 4, we encounter a woman in Samaria who thinks she knows worship better than the God who created it. Jesus meets her at Jacob's well, and they embark on a conversation about the true nature of worship. As this woman speaks with Jesus, she tells him where the Jews worship and where people like her worship. But Jesus explains that worship is not a place. It is a posture. He reorients her understanding about worship because he knows the location of your body is not more important than the posture of your heart. Jesus knows what many of us are still learning. Namely, it doesn't matter where you are. If your heart is not postured toward God, then you have missed the essence of worship. So this week, focus on matters of the heart. Is there unforgiveness in your heart? Is there bitterness in your heart? Whatever is in your heart needs to be flushed out in worship. How do we know that and how do we do that? We must posture ourselves in prayer. We commit to remaining in his presence until the water of his word cleanses us from every distracting toxin. Increase your worship time. Listen to a few worship songs and close your eyes and let God do surgery on your heart. If you do, you'll see life differently almost instantly. When we worship, we must focus on God. God is the center of it all. Encountering him is the aim, the mission, the goal, and the objective. Jesus knows this, which is why he tells the woman in John 4 how to get to God. First, he says, since God is spirit, in order to worship him, you've got to get in the spirit. In other words, worship requires that we step outside of our realm of control and surrender our mind to God until a spiritual connection happens with the divine. Secondly, God must be worshipped in truth. God already knows our secrets. It's impossible to hide from him, but you'd be surprised by how many people approach God's throne with lofty words that are detached from their true sentiments. You'd be surprised by how many people will sing a song because it sounds good, but won't internalize the words in a way that transforms that song into a prayer. The goal of worship is to get to God. The way we do that is by getting in the spirit and by telling God the truth. Tell God the truth about himself. Tell God the truth about you. When we tell God the truth in worship, he helps us to tell the truth in life. Jesus says something very interesting in John 4, 23. He says, now is the time when the true worshipers will worship the father. By adding the word true before worshipers, we can tease out an important lesson. If it is the case that there can exist true worshipers, then it must also be the case that false worshipers exist as well. This is why idolatry is such an important Goliath to conquer, because if we're not careful, we will put something or someone on the throne of our heart that only belongs to God, and we will worship it instead of worshiping him. This is what Christ would call false worship. When we worship our status, our success, our credentials, our wealth, our appearance, our influence, or any matter of idolatry, Jesus would say, this is false worship. So take a moment and think about your investments. Have you ever found yourself focusing too much on a person or a thing? Could it be possible that this relationship or this situation is more than something you admire? Could it be something that you slipped unbeknownst to you into worshiping your car 
or worshiping your newborn or worshiping your career or worshiping the images you post on social media, worship begins by telling the truth. If something comes to mind that may be in the category of idol worship, ask God to remove it from the throne of your heart today. I bet when many of us read this scripture, though, we, we see this woman as delirious and disconnected. We judge her quietly. But many of us are more like this woman than we realize. Many of us have made a mountain out of our modern ideas of worship. Oh, no, we do not worship a literal mountain, but we do tend to worship our expression of that mountain. We tend to worship music, for example, and music is not bad in and of itself, but music is not worship. Its intention is to usher us into an awareness of God's presence, not stand in God's place. Or if we don't worship music, we end up worshiping our emotions because that's what we use to feel our way into God's presence. But while true worship engages all five of our senses, the outcome of worship is not to cry or to smile. It is to change as we worship. We are transformed into God likeness. We are transported into the spirit on the Lord's day. And it is impossible to experience God's tangible manifested presence and not be changed. Now, here's part B of this lesson. If worship leaves you more broken than you are healed, you are taking the wrong medicine. And if worship leaves you more condemned than liberated, you are engaging the God of culture, not the God of the scriptures. Scripture says where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And in another place, Paul informs us there is no condemnation to those who are in the Lord. Every worshiper must figure out if his or her experience with worship is true. A lot of people call themselves worshipers, but if nothing they do or say is true, somebody lying. You'd be surprised to find out how many churches have music and mountains, but no spirit and truth. Many of us have married this mountain experience where we first met God in worship only to realize that God is no longer resting in the mountain we turned into a monument. We get so stuck on when we first saw the light that we fail to look up to make sure we can still see it. This woman engages with Jesus until he makes a believer out of her. She comes to the well for water. She leaves from the well a witness. When we encounter Jesus in worship, we leave the jar at the well in exchange for the living water that will never run out. Something happens in God's presence that causes her to tell everyone in town, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. The ironic part is that Jesus didn't tell her everything she ever did. He exposed one part of her story, a painful part, I presume that defined how she viewed herself. She had several partners, five husbands, the scriptures suggest, and the man she is now with is not her husband. Yet when she goes to town, she says, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Did Jesus tell us about her occupation? No. Did Jesus tell us about her purpose? No. Did Jesus mention her family tree? No. Did Jesus tell her what she did the morning before she got to the well? No, Jesus only talked to her about these husbands. But to this woman, this part of her story was her everything. She reminds me of so many people who view one mistake as their everything. They view one label as their everything. 
And even though Jesus did not tell her everything about her story, that was the truth she told herself. To her, she was nothing outside of that description. To her, she was nothing outside of that mistake. She made one part of her story her everything. And she condemned herself because of it. But Jesus came so that she would have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus came into her life to show her that in him there is no judgment on who you are or what you've done or who you've been with. In Jesus, there is life. In Jesus, there is love. In Jesus, there is a brand new start where old things have passed away and all things have become new today. I want you to see your life as more than what you've done or who you've been with. You are not your divorce. You are not your violation. You are not your mistake. You are not your past. You are not your degree. You are not your house or car. You are a child of the most high God. So see your life from the lenses of Jesus. You are whole. You are healed. You are forgiven. You are worthy. So what is your worship work today? Take some time to replace every negative label about yourself with a positive label about who God has made you to be. Try not to judge yourself by the wrong you may have done or even the wrong that was done to you. Instead, focus on what you learned and how you are better because of Jesus. Be that witnessing person that proclaims loudly. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Be intentional about your witness today. Fill my cup, Lord, I lift it up, Lord, come and quench this thirsting in my Fill it up and make me whole. Lord, you are good. You've been so good. Lord, you are good. You've been better than good. I can't praise you enough. I owe you my life. your voice. Come on, tell them today. You so good to me. Let's go out here. Everybody lift up your voice. Lord, you are good. You've been so good. Come on, say, Lord, you are good. Cause I owe you, Jesus. I owe you my life. Can't praise you enough. Somebody say, even if I tried it, it wouldn't work.
praise you enough, God. Somebody say, even if I try, it wouldn't work because. Come on and lift up your voices.
You've been better than good to me. You've been better than good to me. 